0: What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Power to the Pod here on Locked on Dolphins. It is week 16 of the 2021 regular season. Your Dolphins are 7-7. and That means we are turning the keys to the car over to each and every one of you. What do you want to talk about? We're going to find out here on another episode of Power to the Pod. Let's buckle in. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins.
1: You are Locked on Dolphins.
0: Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is the Tuesday, December 21st edition of Locked On Dolphins. It is Monday afternoon. We're on the YouTube channel live channel, Locked On Dolphins. Make sure you like this video. Subscribe if you're interested in partaking in the live recordings of Power to the Pod. We got iTunes reviews to get into. We got some Twitter questions. We get the live comments. Uh, I see OG Highway here in the comments section, ready to rumble, a couple of guys trickling in. Uh, so good to see all you guys and gals here on a Monday afternoon on the live stream. Want to thank you guys who listen to the podcast for making locked on Dolphins your first listen of the day. And today is of course, Power to the Pod, which means you guys running the show. You tell me what you want to talk about. I do have one thought as it pertains to uh, the matchup against the Saints, and I have one thought as it pertains to the Dolphins' offensive line performance that I want to get into before we get into Power to the Pod questions. I know um, I've got two or three iTunes reviews questions lined up that are going to get tackled first, some Twitter questions, and then, of course, you guys in the live stream. So I, for one – one of the questions that I saw on social media was, Kyle, how do, you, how do you feel about playing the Saints on the heels of what they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Obviously, having pitching a out against Tom Brady and the Bucs. Now, should, we be, should we be more worried about this matchup? I think the Saints are a team that you have to respect. You have to respect. They have a lot of significant high-level players on their roster. They have a number of game changers. They are coached very well. This is going to be a tough matchup for the Dolphins. And I know we're all feeling ourselves in six wins in a row. And, uh, but this is another week and another opportunity for us to go 1-0. But I like the dynamics coming into this game against the Saints. The only thing I don't like is that it's in New Orleans. But it's a primetime game. It's Monday night. There's going to be no opportunities for the Dolphins to be sitting around wondering I wonder I what the Steelers are doing. I wonder what the Titans are doing. I wonder what the Bills are doing. You got your own game. You're the, la- you're the only game in town, and you're the last game of the week. So you're going to know coming into this game exactly what opportunity is at stake for you as the Dolphins because you're playing the last game of the week. And the fact that you're getting the Saints, who are undoubtedly going to be really revved up from the win that they just are just coming off of, a lot of times there is a, a bit of an emotional letdown that follows a win like that. And if the Saints happen to be feeling themselves, and that's, that was one of the things I said when we went into the Baltimore game, is I was really glad uh, that Baltimore managed to hang on to win the game ahead of when they played the Dolphins. Because I wouldn't want to pay, face the Baltimore Ravens when they were pissed off after a loss. I would hate to face New Orleans in primetime in New Orleans when they were pissed off after losing a game that they shouldn't have. So from that perspective, I think that's something Miami can potentially use to their advantage. Is the Saints are coming off a win, a big win, an emotional win against a division rival, but you are also going to know exactly what's at stake, so you can be as focused as you possibly can be, and not sit on the sidelines for the bye week for a week and sit around and watch the AFC kind of unfold in a way that that makes you feel excited, and then you're coming in and playing the Jets and you kind of sleepwalk through the first quarter. There should be none of that this week, and for that perspective. I'm excited about the matchup against the Saints. A couple of comments trickling in. Make sure you guys leave your questions if you're here on the live show. I'm pleasantly surprised how many of you guys are here
1: mid-afternoon on a Monday. So cheers to that.
0: My thought on the offensive line. I don't know if you guys saw the numbers. I put out a couple of tweets. Uh, The folks at Pro Football Focus Say what you will about their grading scale. I know not everybody agrees with that, but I do appreciate more than anything some of their metric tracking. And that includes for offensive linemen, pressures allowed. And that can have some gray area that's involved to it. But the Dolphins' offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, tracking from a pressures perspective, played their best game of the season on Sunday against the Jets. Liam Eikenberg, one pressure allowed. Austin Jackson, zero pressures allowed. Robert Hunt, One pressure allowed. Now, the situation at right tackle, and I know we got some questions in that for the Twitter questions, and I'm sure there's going to be questions about uh, number 77 at right tackle on the blind side for Tua uh, here in the live stream as well. So we'll tackle those specifics later. But it's been really neat to see over the course of the past three weeks, the past three games, excuse me, not last three weeks, the last month, the last three games, the Dolphins 3 2020. Are three young offensive linemen, Liam Eikenberg, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, those guys have combined for over the last three games to account for seven pressures. There's some debate. What's the quality of the teams that they played from a pass rush win rate perspective? Carolina was one of the best in the league when the Dolphins played them. Uh, the Giants are no good, and the Jets are middle of the road. So you got good, bad, in the middle. Seven pressures across three guys over the last three weeks. I like it. We'll see how sustainable it is when you play the Saints and you play the Patriots again. And uh, the the Titans have a couple of dynamic pass rushers between Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree and Harold Like They got some hitters in the pass rush as well. So it's a good test over the next three weeks. But the last three games that you played, that's a really encouraging sign for some young offensive linemen. I don't necessarily know that it would stop me from going out and acquiring a left tackle. And it certainly wouldn't stop me from going out and acquiring a blindside left tackle. But at the very least, if they can string this together, they can finish this season strong. That can help a lot of things, including the running game, which went off for 183 yards against the Jets. Should we expect that every week? No, of course not. But I love the fact that we got to see this offensive line get a little bit of juice, get a little bit of push. Over five and a half ca- yards per carry on the left side of the line against the Jets. From that perspective, they delivered. They did what they were supposed to do in a matchup against a defense that was a little undermanned, uh, but still has some respectable players between Quinn Williams and Sheldon Rankins and John Franklin Myers. And, like, Jets are no schleps up front, right? Like, they've got some guys that can hold the point of attack, as evidenced by the first time when you played the Jets. Get ready, to shift gears here, and get into some of the iTunes reviews here on Power to the Pod. Not before I tell you about our friends over at Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get the latest episodes of all your favorite shows all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See boostmobile.com for details. I'm always pressured to sound like that guy at the end of the commercials, right? Where he rips through that last bit uh, real quick. So let me know how I did. Great opportunity uh, ahead of you as well. Not, never mind the dolphins, you. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And On Location, the official hospitality partner in the NFL, is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit OnLocationExp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl On Location.
1: Let's see. What's everybody doing here? Chris, sitting here lamenting. Wish I had as much Dolphins gear as Kyle. Jealous. eBay.
0: I got this off eBay and it was like 12 bucks. Now, don't go buying all the stuff that I've got in my cart. But... <laughs> eBay has been very, very
1: kind to me as it pertains to vintage Dolphins apparel. Uh, So that's that's a little nugget for you. Uh,
0: Let's get these iTunes reviews and then we're going to switch over. I see a bunch of you guys like Randy and William and Zach and
1: Nick and King and Paul, Kevin, Eric, Justin, Axel,
0: Donald. See all you guys. We're going to get to all of you in just a couple minutes, okay? So sit, with, sit tight, bear with me. Got a couple reviews of the show. First one from Bruns Fan. Thanks for the write-up on uh, Darren Beavers last week. Great work, as always. Darren Beavers, Cincinnati linebacker, potential draft prospect for the Dolphins on day two next year. What do you think of the right side of the offensive line next year, being Robert Hunt and Daniel Falele? Would love to see those double teams. I would be a lot more comfortable with Falele in the second if there was a change in offensive line coach. Not confident in our ability to develop young linemen right now. I would prefer both a change in coaching and acquiring at least one talented free agent to bolster the line. Yes, I agree with that last bit wholeheartedly. Uh, I would probably also at this point even still advocate for um, a little bit more experience on the offensive line coaching. But if you're not familiar with Daniel Falele, Daniel Falele, is the right tackle of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And he was discovered by the University of Michigan uh, on a recruiting uh, trip to a rugby camp, I believe it was, or American rugby camp in Australia. Daniel Falele is six foot eight, 400 pounds. He slimmed down this year to play at 380. To give you a little idea. And if you're familiar with Maitala, um, the, the offensive tackle from the Eagles, and so they drafted him in the seventh round a couple years back, having never played NFL, like having never played football, like that's the caliber of an athlete Daniel Falele is at six foot eight, 380 pounds. He's an absolute monster. Some of the challenges with Daniel from a evaluation perspective uh, is the Minnesota offense is very RPO reliant. So there there is a one-to-one correlation there as far as what that would look like in Miami. But you don't get a good grasp of how good he is in true pass sets. Uh, and when we, we talk about true pass sets versus what, you know, even the Dolphins, some of the criticisms of the offense from a structure perspective are, Oh, well, it's a lot of manufactured throws or a lot of scheme throws RPOs play action screen game. Those are all throws in w- which there's some kind of ball action, which is designed to slow down defenders or influence defenders and create a larger window to throw the ball or, slow down the pass rush because they have to make sure they keep their integrity and their running fits. Um, So if you have to get into true drop back passing, Falele's effectiveness really just comes to the fact that he's big and he's athletic, so he can flip his hips and carry you if he has to. Um, But that's the kind of player I don't, it depends on where Miami's pick lands in the second round, to be honest. And if we were to go out and get one, veteran player on the offensive line, I would probably want it to be that blindside tackle spot. Uh, so that's the right kind of player. Uh, I think you, you definitely have the right kind of player in mind Bruns. I'm just not quite sure what other opportunities they're going to be. And I would really like to get some established talent just like you. But if my number one spot to fill, I could only fill one with a, a veteran player. It would probably be that right tackle spot. I'm not even going to try to pronounce your username. U-D-I-B-W-B-W-H-C-I, a bunch of letters left to review. Thanks for your consistent pod. Simple question. Are you on the same page that I am? If Miami fails to extend Emmanuel Agba this offseason, it will be a failure of a free agent offseason, a massive failure. He is essential in my opinion.
1: I would be very disappointed. I would be very disappointed if Agba ends up walking. Am I... Confident that that's not going to happen?
0: No. I wish I had more confidence that a deal was going to get done. I know Emmanuel wants to be here. That's been something we've heard through his representation. There's been uh, ongoing communications. The challenge is finding a value that's going to be perceived as acceptable to Emmanuel with the performance he's put on the last couple of years in Miami versus – uh, a salary cap situation that is growing at a very fast rate. You know they they've cleared the cap this year to go up to two hundred eight and a half million dollars versus one hundred eighty one. So there's a lot of spending power for a lot of teams. And if Ogba and his representation
1: say, "Hey, look, the market here is probably fifteen to eighteen million dollars." And Miami's not
0: comfortable with that. I just don't know how easily that's going to be agreed upon. But he's worth more to Miami than I think a lot of teams across the league because he's a proven talent in the system, and he hasn't always
1: been that. He's done an amazing job in Miami, and I would be very sad to see him go. Uh, Brett, I see your question, but unfortunately
0: it was uh, about the game upcoming this week, uh, this past week, uh, in regards to uh, wide receivers taking touches. Um, But I did want to give you a shout-out, Brett, and and thank you for the review. So,
1: with that in mind, let's get some of these live questions you guys have popping off. We're going to start with Zach,
0: who wants to know, as it pertains to and the news just came out uh, this afternoon, being Monday afternoon, uh, does Chris Godwin's price tag go down with the injury? It's been reported he has an ACL tear he's done for the year. I don't think so. This is a highly productive football player. He's young. He's an absolute stud. He runs phenomenal routes. I'm sure Tampa Bay would like to prioritize getting him back. Um, But if he hits the open market to the point where Miami would be in the position to acquire his services, there's going to be a lot of teams that are really interested in Chris Godwin. And it's what middle of December, (laughs) December, Maybe he misses the first month of the season if everything goes well with his recovery. But no, this this is not like he's out for all of next year. So good luck trying to negotiate a contract. I would expect Chris Godwin's price is probably still going to be in the the floor is what Kenny Galladay got,
1: which was like 18 million per. And the ceilings probably up over 20. So he's an amazing talent. And if Miami chose to go that route. More power to you, uh, as long as you can make the finances work to address the rest of the roster. Kevin, happy Victory Monday to you as well. Merry Christmas. Appreciate that. Uh, This question from RC Blue. Who are some of the early round receivers you think would be a good fit to help the, the offense? I really like David
0: Bell. David Bell out of Purdue is probably going to be a second round guy. He's six foot three, 200 pounds. Reminds me of Michael Gallup, uh, who runs good routes. Gets good separation, strong hands. Kind of an afterthought in the Dallas offense because they have so many weapons. He's like their fourth option. Between Zeke, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, he's literally the fourth option. But on a lot of other offenses, he'd probably be the number two. Um, David Bell's like that, and if you end up in that 40 to 50 range, I think that's probably the sweet spot to draft a guy like that. I like Jamison Williams, uh, the guy from Alabama who transferred over from Ohio State. He's probably going to be a first-round guy, though. I like Chris Olave a ton.
1: I'm always going to have a man crush on Chris Olave. I just don't know that he's going to be able to (laughs) – be a fit with Miami relative to where he's expected to be drafted.
0: And he's also kind of that Will Fuller type of receiver. And of course, Brian Flores announced on Monday that uh, Will Fuller expected not to be available the rest of the season,
1: which is a big buzzkill, but is what it is. Nick living in new England. It was weird wanting the Pats to win this
0: past weekend, but Loki wasn't upset at all that they lost. Neither am I. Uh, it just means that the pathway, for Miami is uh, pretty clear. If you want to make the postseason, you really need to be hoping that the team from Western New York beats the team from New England. I hate being in that spot. I hate rooting for either one of those teams. Um, And I'm not
1: actively like rooting like or anything like that. No. But for Miami's playoff, hopes, winning out, Buffalo beats New England,
0: and if you beat the Patriots, then, then you're in pretty much is the, the most straightforward way for us
1: to get to where we want to go. Eric, and I know
0: there, this has been um, a popular question on social media as well. How do you see the Dolphins moving forward in their running back room with the emergence of Duke Johnson and Phillip Lindsay now healthy again? It's a great question. I could tell you what I wouldn't do, and that's just keep what the status quo has been all season
1: because it hasn't worked. It hasn't been particularly good. So I've been about as disappointed with Miles' play this season of anybody on the team uh, versus what
0: we saw from him last year, the expectation. You got a couple guys who came in here, and both Phillip and Duke, who are playing with something to prove. Uh, They're playing a little pissed off, they're running a little angry, and it shows. And I think you need as much of that as you possibly can. And maybe that lights a a fire under Miles and gets him playing on a different level too. Lord knows he ripped a 30-yard run against the Jets,
1: averaged over 5 yards per carry on 10 carries. Uh, But I would... I would probably
0: like to get Philip Lindsay, the early down reps and probably like to keep Duke Johnson involved with eight to 12 touches, including the passing game. Duke's always been a primarily a pass catching back. That's probably my utopian world. Chris, I was shockingly comfortable with Tommy Lee Lewis returning punts. That's what he does. Right, this is, Those are the kind of guys, and that, that's what's kind of weird about what Miami special teams has been like this year after trading Jakeem Grant, is you got Javon Holland and Jalen Waddle back there who are also responsible for big roles on offense and defense versus a guy whose specialty is, is just handling
1: kicks. Here we go. Everybody loves a little Tua question. So Justin brought the wood for us.
0: Speaking from a long-term perspective, Tua has clear and obvious limitations as a quarterback. Are you worried about those limitations when it comes to long-term success, a.k.a.
1: winning a Super Bowl? I I would generally agree that, that Tua, and I would say this about most quarterbacks in the NFL,
0: they have limitations. Every quarterback in the NFL, with the exception of like probably two or three, is a system quarterback. And I genuinely believe that having done enough NFL draft evaluation as I have done over the course of the last eight years, which is how long I've been in the NFL draft space, environments are very important to quarterbacks because they all have limitations. And if you do not cater to those limitations, if you do not have trust in that player,
1: the results that you are going to get aren't going to be pretty. So, looking at Tua
0: through that light, and I know that's the big debate today on social media for some reason, is
1: you know Tua's got a weak arm. Tua has sufficient level arm strength. He doesn't have a cannon. This isn't the first time I've said this on the podcast. Do I think he has a weak arm? No. He has a
0: sufficient arm. His feet need to be set for him to make tight window throws and try to drive the ball into the deeper and intermediate areas of the field. You ask him to throw actively on the run, especially if he's not downhill, getting downhill towards the line of scrimmage. He usually doesn't get on top of the ball. The ball comes a little high. That's what happened on the first interception. Ball was high, outside, couldn't really drive that throw. So I think there's ways that you can help to it. Let's get some better right tackle play in here for starters and figure out how many other starters you need on the offensive line. Let's get a running game so that you can lean on that a little bit more.
1: But I think the misperception about a lot of quarterbacks is that they could go anywhere and be successful. Two is
0: no different. He's got pros and cons. It's, are you comfortable with what those pros and cons are? And I need to see what, his development is like as a traditional dropback passer without the RPOs and the play-action passing and the screen game. Without all that, I need to see how he grows in that capacity because right now it's not a strength of his. But I need to see
1: what that looks like with development before I can personally make that judgment with confidence. Donald, shout-out to the liver. So... The winning streak uh, has prompted me to call upon all of the
0: fans to help with the good luck charm of consuming adult beverages. Uh, And it was glorious hearing from so many of you guys last night with a whiskey chug or a wine chug or a beer chug or whatever it was that you guys choose to do. So it was really cool to see that thing kind of grow some legs. And, of course, I consumed a little bit, but I said, hey, The funnest part of this for me is all of you guys being a part of it too. So why don't you guys get in on some of the action? Speaking of getting in on the action, BetOnline has you covered for all of your favorite sports with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues, it's March to the playoffs. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC Write your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season.
1: Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. You guys are blowing up the comments section. What in the heck is happening here? Cool to see a dipless carrot. Patriot USA, like your show. Thank you, man. Like you listening. Let me see. I want to get a couple of these Twitter questions in before we get back to the iTunes review or back to
0: the comments section. One from William, which I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, is why is Davis still starting a tackle? He's a liability and has been hurting the team all year. I think they, they made this bed when they decided that they wanted to play Robert Hunt at right guard. And to be fair to that isolated decision, Robert's playing good at right guard. Jesse Davis, for whatever reason, has established a level of trust with his coaching staff. And I would assume that's based on his experience, his versatility, uh, the, the fact that he probably performs well in the film room and performs well in the practice field. And they feel like he's their their leadership option on the offensive line. But I would agree. Um, his play has continued to be underwhelming and is something that needs to be addressed moving forward once we get through the rest of the season. The last three, potentially more.
1: Maybe. Hopefully. The last month or so of the season. Let's just put it that way. Uh, ouch, Miami
0: Dolphins. Love to hear about where you had the league's young quarterbacks as prospects coming out of the draft. It's a great topic, but that's also something I want to tackle. I'm not going to bury that into a minute and 20-second segment here on Power to the Pod. We're going to do that in the offseason. That's going to be a fun conversation to talk about uh, when we get to the offseason content schedule, which gives me a lot more flexibility. Aaron has to have been balling out his quotation marks, not mine, enough in your eyes to prove to management
1: that he's the guy. I would love to say with certainty one way or another. But I genuinely have no idea what they're going to, what
0: conclusion they're going to come to. Um, I think Tua has played about as well as you could have possibly hoped relative to the situation that he's currently in with the injuries to the skill players like a Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle missing last week, Devontae Parker missing a bunch of time, the lack of the running game. You you, You acknowledge all these issues exist. And I think he has played about as well as you could have possibly hoped. But as we just talked about a little bit ago, Tua does have limitations as a player, as all quarterbacks do. And whether or not those are the limitations that the Dolphins were expecting or hoping or ready to tackle, I don't know.
1: And I don't know. I I can't even try to sit here and speculate on what their decision-making process is going
0: to look like. I know they've said they're happy with Tua. I'm relatively happy with the development as a player. Of course, the game against the Jets was ugly at times. The game against the Giants was not always pretty. And that's why his development as a player is important to, to understand what, where the ceiling is. And for the question that you're asking... The deadline to make those kinds of decisions is going to come before we get a true understanding of where the ceiling is. So I have no clue. Ryan, if the dolphins make it 10 and seven, five and 11 and 10 and six in their first three seasons, of course, 10 and seven would be this year. If they win out
1: 10 and six last year and five and 11 in year one, what's your perspective on where the team stands in this era? Well,
0: you know, halfway through the season, we were talking about exploring the idea of changes that might need to be made. If you get to 10 wins and you have back-to-back 10-win seasons, that's about as much as you could possibly hope for as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins. Based on a 1-7 start, are you kidding
1: me? If you close the year with nine straight wins, who wants to guess the last time the Dolphins had back-to-back 10-win seasons? Give you a hint, it's been a while. You get go back to 2000 and 2001. They
0: won 11 games in both of those two seasons. I think it is important uh, to be able to get two wins out of the remaining three games and be able to say that you have that kind of forward momentum,
1: which is not something you've been able to say for 20 years, consecutive winning seasons. I think that's a huge deal, personally.
0: Axel says, two a ceiling is Ryan Tannehill level of play. It's interesting, right? Because I think they have different strengths as players. Ryan was more physical attributes, uh, but limited instincts. And I think Tua, at times, he's got a much more natural sense and feel of pressure around him, anticipation throws, uh, but doesn't have the physical side of it that Ryan did. So there's an interesting foil between those two guys. Pat, with a hard-hitting question. Thanks for asking this one, brother. Where
1: amongst all the options do you rank the all aqua jerseys? Buckle in, you're probably not going to like this. I like him a lot. And I think it's silly if you don't. I know it's not the hardest color in the world. But I think it looks clean. Uh, I like white on white. I like aqua on aqua. I like aqua tops and white bottoms. The one I like the least is white tops and aqua bottoms. And they, they wear that one way too much for me. Personally, Uh, but I like Aqua and Aqua. Edgar, good question. Level of importance for locking
0: up Christian Wilkins long-term. Seems like a glue guy and a really good player to boot without that personality to keep players engaged. Don't know if we come back from one and seven. So I can't speak intelligently on the last part, but I would agree with you on wanting to lock him up long-term, being a glue guy, and being a really good player. I think all those things are factual.
1: Uh, Christian is super talented. Uh, His role in the defense is diverse. They
0: ask him to do a number of things, and a lot of the time that doesn't involve getting penetration and being a splash player. Uh, But I would absolutely start to look to lock him up, because if you wait, you might end up seeing his development continue to Trend upwards, and you might end up having to pay him more. So, this is one of those examples where, like, I would actively look
1: to set the market on that group of defensive linemen. Chris, bring back the orange jerseys. I
0: can get behind that. I'll just say that. Our last one of the day comes from SK5406.
1: Would Joe Brady be a good fit as the, for the offensive coordinator? Carolina's offense wasn't particularly good, and his sample size at LSU
0: was small. And Miami has gotten themselves into a little bit of trouble by going after young coaches. Not necessarily for the OC spot, but in general, this year, one of the pitfalls of the early season struggles was young coaching. I don't think I'd necessarily be interested. And I don't know necessarily that Miami's personnel fits with what Joe Brady ideology calls for. A lot of five-man protections, so they're empty. They're sending maximum routes out in the space. You're putting a lot of that on the quarterback to set protections and understand where he's hot, replace the blitz with the ball,
1: but also make free runners miss. The quarterback has to be responsible for that, that sixth rusher. I think about what,
0: the way that this roster construction has trended. Does anybody right now trust the Dolphins to just say, take your front five, we're going to send everybody else out in the sp- into routes? So you can get better there, sure. But that's a big leap of faith to bring a guy in whose entire offense is predicated on five-man protections.
1: That's a, a different style of offense than what Miami has been building upon this season. So I think there's
0: probably good opportunities to find guys that overlap a little bit more with what Miami has been doing. Um, and I'm a little turned off to the, the lack of experience.
1: And I, I do think he was the fall guy in Carolina. Carolina's fallen apart, it seems, throughout the back half of the season. Um, so I would probably pass on Joe Brady, personally. Curtis, I'm going to throw one more in. Bonus one. Wandale Robinson and Eric Esconama, who I'm not familiar with, but I do
0: know Wandale Robinson. Transfer from Nebraska to Kentucky. Those are two teams that I'm responsible for, in my scouting responsibilities for the draftnetwork.com, and, are, are, and and he is Wandale Robinson. An absolute blast. 1,200 receiving yards this year. They manufacture him a lot of touches. Big-time rack guy, strong hands. Um, used to be a running back too. He was recruited as a running back, converted over to wide receiver during his time in Nebraska. Um, he's a fun player. Uh, I would love to see as somebody who would compliment what you have in Jalen waddle and bringing back Lynn bowden Jr. for next year, who I certainly wish we would, we would be having opportunities to say here and now. Uh, but we don't. But uh, yeah, Wandale Robinson I, I'm in on is probably a third round guy. Is probably the kind of round range. And that's going to be tough for Miami because their pick right now is in that comp pick range. Thanks to the trade with San Francisco. Um, but if he's there for you, he'd make a lot of sense as another separator and another guy who can create with the ball in his hands. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of power to the pod. Uh, I gotta be honest. I was not expecting anywhere near this much activity on the YouTube stream. Uh, if you're interested in getting on the YouTube stream, go to locked on dolphins, hit subscribe on the channel like this video, that way you get opportunities to get push notifications. When we go live, you can hop in and join us. There's 60-something of you guys in here on a Monday afternoon during the workday. I won't tell, I promise. But uh, if you prefer to listen to the podcast feed, make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins Cow Crabs. Cheers. Thanks,
1: as always, for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Victory Monday slash Victory Tuesday.